1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noon's is an absolute podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons.
2: Hello, everyone.
1: Happy, happy uh, things just keep getting worse for the Mets
2: day. Uh, happy Syracuse basketball at a transfer day. Yeah, that's good. That's a positive. That'll, that'll work. Let's go. Let's, let's go with the positive thing instead. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the way to go here.
1: Yeah. Plus, like half of you at minimum care about the Mets it might be more it's probably no I'd say maybe 20% of you at best care about the Mets
2: I assume all of you care about Syracuse so I think that one's probably the right way to go with the Syracuse podcast (laughs) it's
1: a safe assumption um (laughs) for those who didn't uh pay attention earlier today and this will actually be posted the same day as it's being recorded um ECU transfer Elijah Hughes has joined the team he uh he was kind of a late bloomer in high school, didn't really get the, the big name attention uh, coming out of high school, which is why he ended up at ECU, um, was a little injured last year, seemed a little buried on the depth chart, and uh, after visiting this week, he, uh, he decided to come aboard. He's a New York native, so there's a, there's a definite reason why he would want to be interested in, uh, in Syracuse. He was also interested in Iona, um, glad that he didn't even need to take that visit.
2: Yeah, I think it should be a nice fit. Um, he's a guy who came along late last year for ECU. He was hurt early in the year, and by the end of the year, he was starting and had some nice like double-digit James down the stretch. Um, he's six six uh, and like two hundred twenty pounds, so he's a really solid uh, size for you know a one or two guard in our system. Um, local-ish kid from Beacon, so he's in you know the Dutchess County area, but still, I guess upstate New York. Um, and he went to South Kent, which is also nice. Obviously, that's where Matt Moyer went. recruiting uh kids from there every year so it's nice to keep on building that connection as well so i don't think there's a lot to there's there's not a lot to dislike about this i I think uh after a year in the program he should you know be a really nice addition and at worst he's probably a good a nice depth guard. at best you know maybe we got a a diamond in the rough a bit
1: yeah totally i mean I, i think that the the previous connection with moyer is a big thing because you know that helps uh i mean neither of them played for syracuse last year um and then Hughes won't play for Syracuse this coming season. But that said, um, could have help to have some pre-established chemistry on the team. Um, on, on top of that, the fact that we're bringing in a transfer to then work his way into the system over time instead of being like a one-year fix, as we've seen with some grad transfers, uh, is, is probably a better alternative. Um, Syracuse still has two roster spots left for 2017. It seems like they have a couple other targets in mind um, out of high school, um, as well as the grad transfer market. Um, I know uh, what was it, Otis Thorpe from uh, from USF, who was interested. I think that's, a, that's another name to to keep an eye on as we look at those last two roster spots.
2: Yeah, he's probably the the number the top grad transfer to keep an eye on. Then there's guys like uh, Jordan Tucker, who obviously uh, just had a Duke offer, which doesn't uh. seem great after Duke lost out on Kevin Knox somewhat unexpectedly. So hopefully Syracuse being in on him launder helps out there. But uh, obviously Duke is is a you know, not the best team to deal with on the recruiting uh, trail. And he seemed to be pretty excited about getting a Duke offer, as one would when they get an offer to play basketball at Duke. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But, um, you know, hopefully we can fill those last two roster spots because obviously the team does need some immediate help, especially in the backcourt.
1: Yeah, I I think that, you know, ideally I'd love to have these guys both be freshmen. It'd be awesome to build some some long-term depth rather than just some short-term depth. Um, That said, you know, a guy like Thorpe wouldn't necessarily hurt. um, But I wouldn't take him over if we could get a guy like Tucker. And there's a couple other names kind of tossed around for 2017. Um, You mentioned Syracuse has been in on Tucker for a while, but obviously that has not helped us a ton in this cycle, I feel, um, as we've lost out on a a bunch of kids to uh, to bigger name schools, like uh, specifically Kentucky and Duke um just because like despite the fact that we were in longer i think that's why Beheim never wanted to go up against those schools and recruiting and it's it's showing now that we're not necessarily suited to close against those schools
2: and those two like it, it's not even like a syracuse problem but those are just two yeah, schools a that are problem. out recruiting every other team in the country by a large margin like they're they they are at another level um but it, it makes sense. Like you, you want to believe that you can get those guys, and you know, every so often, maybe Syracuse will be able to beat up those tools for a kid. But um, they, it just—it seems like they require a lot less investment in someone to get uh, at least involved. Where Syracuse, you know, if you want a five-star kid, you have to make him a top priority and really go after it. Where if you Duke, can just like drop in and and automatically be in the running. So it's just tough to compete with they. Uh, and so I, I totally get, you know, where heim might want to think that it's just better to spend the uh, the time and the effort elsewhere, where you have a better shot, even if you know you're shooting for slightly less, you know, plug and play type players. But um, I also get where people would be annoyed because you know we were recruiting at such a high level, but the recruiting game in basketball seems like it's changed a lot in the last like even the last couple of years. And Duke and Kentucky, for the time being, are just really, really impossible to deal with.
1: Yeah, I completely agree, and you know, it's it's not something that's going to go away for those schools. Who knows who else would would join that group? Um, obviously, North Carolina has put together a nice little stretch here. As long as they don't get murdered by NCAA sanctions, which I'm not banking on anymore, um, they could potentially join that group. I think Kansas is is sort of in a a running reset right now. as they uh, they lose a bunch of guys, but they're also despite Bill Self talking shit about grad transfers, goes out and gets a bunch of them. Um, I, I still I don't think you're going to see any sort of see change in terms of, you know, who rules the roost in terms of uh, basketball recruiting. I think, you know, Duke and Kentucky uh, can run rings around everybody else. Um, Obviously, you know, you have your North Carolinas um, and your Kansas after that. Um, And then there's a large group of us afterward um, that's probably about, at this point, 15, 20 schools deep, you know, starting with Louisville and Michigan State and heading on down. Um, I think you may or may not be able to include Villanova in there, UConn might not necessarily be in that group anymore. Um, UCLA is in that group, but at the same time, I don't. Without getting all hot takey, I don't. I don't know how much the association with the ball family is necessarily going to help them in recruiting right now. Um, I, I think that it's a helpful because you know you're getting quality players coming into the program um, with that family, but at the same time, you also know that you, other star player, will not be the focus in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> for the full year, so, you know, I guess it depends on what your priorities
2: are as a player. Yeah, and with them, like, it, it also, like, I, I think playing with Lonzo might have been fun, but I don't know how LaMelo and LiAngelo are going to match or if they'll even be the same type of player, but, like, in terms of, like, actual, in terms of talking points, as long as those players are anything, like, we, we kind of know LaVar's gonna be, uh, stumping hard, so, did, did, we get to enjoy that as college basketball fans for another, uh, what, like, as many as eight years or whatever uh, i don't know when when Lamelo would be out of college if he stayed all four years which obviously is isn't you know what he's aiming for but you know could happen because odds are he won't be as good as good as his brother who legitimately is an awesome player and it's almost kind of unfortunate that he has this like baggage being carried uh or having to carry this baggage around behind uh, him his stage dad <laughs> yeah seriously
1: yeah it's uh I was on ESPN yesterday, and of course, like, there was a million things going on in the sports world, and what was the lead story? It was it was LeVar Ball mouthing off about, you know, Lonzo being better than MJ or some shit. Like, I I just, ESPN, just stop it. Like, just, just stop it. Stop firing reporters and then making that a priority. Like, stop it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate that you're even getting ESPN people annoyed about it. Like, people, I think Michelle Beale refused to have him on Sports Nation, like, it's just so much. And let, let, let the kid play. Like, because it, it's going to suck if he ends up being, like, a middling player or, like, you know, an average, uh, you know, nice NBA guard and doesn't turn into a superstar, and then it's just going to be... Uh, everyone, it's You're going to have the, the, uh, the reverse hot takes about how LeVar ruined him. Like, let's just let this kid play, and, you know, he's going to be the number two or three pick, and that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be the best player ever, but it's like, even if he only ever turns into, like, a good NBA guard we're still never going to hear the end of it. Like, there's no good outcome here.
1: Yeah, I... I would definitely agree. And, again, ho- hoping that... hoping that er- everybody in the Ball family goes one and done is successful in the NBA so that that so we hear less and less about LeVar. Oh,
2: uh, yeah.
1: Anyway... Um... What else has happened in Syracuse world? Oh, uh... We answered my scheduling prayers, but not really. Uh, this morning, uh, the ACC announced all of the future Notre Dame games now through twenty thirty seven. Uh, those games would involve kids who weren't even born yet.
2: I, I love that so much. <laughs> I really do. Like this that's such dumbest. a perfect, to- perfect college basketball. Yeah, or college is, football, it, rather.
1: It is peak college sports to, to schedule games you know so far out that the kids aren't even born. It's a uh, I'm not frustrated with that. I'm not frustrated about it, to be honest. Like this seems like something I would be frustrated with, um, but knowing that the ACC and Notre Dame are locked into this deal anyway, um, knowing that in the past Notre Dame had kind of held the ACC hostage in terms of scheduling, had switched things around, um, it's actually nice to see the ACC dictating some of the terms here. Um, it also allows us, once we actually get our act together with scheduling, to uh, to actually see what's in front of us and see which years we want to avoid. You know, scheduling tougher teams and, and getting stuck with potentially, you know, like a matchup with Notre Dame and maybe a matchup with like a rising Maryland program or a random series with Arizona State that happens to go nine and three that year, things like that that like I don't want any part of, and I don't think anybody else does either in terms of uh, this program's long-term competitiveness.
2: Yeah, no, it's, it's a good thing because we knew these Notre Dame games were happening, so it's not like we're we're. Blindsided by the fact that we're going to end up playing Notre Dame every so often, so it's in the agreement. It's a long-term play for the ACC. We totally get it. So at least now we can kind of map out where we need to put in other games, where we want to put our power games, where we want to schedule out, you know, a slightly easier slate on top of Notre Dame. But you can always, you can probably always assume they'll at least be a good team. Like you, you don't know when Notre Dame's is going to blow up and be, uh, you know, a ten-win team or when they're going to falter. But I don't think you're going to. Uh, get hurt too much, assuming Notre Dame will be decent, and then having them fall on their face for a year and not adding much more to the schedule. Like I, I think they're a safe bet in terms of just saying, like, that's our big game for the year, and let's just make the rest of that schedule palatable, and then work on getting, if you're going to add big games like the Wisconsin series coming up or something like that, let's add those to the deers that we do not already have Notre Dame in, and let's do this smart.
1: Yeah, and so, I mean... Again, I'm not pissed off about it. No, you're not either. Nobody should be. Um, Definitely seen some, you know, hand-wringing and all this other stuff. Every team in the ACC is going to schedule Notre Dame a certain amount of times um, over the next 20 years. Um, It's silly that we're scheduling them out this soon, but if Notre Dame was pushing to do so, I'm not going to say no because, again, it doesn't doesn't hurt us um, in any way to do so.
2: Yeah, it's just kind of a silly, like, it's a silly thing in terms of, like, what the optics are, but it makes sense when when they're always, you know, Notre Dame scheduling is such a different monster from everyone else's as long as they choose to remain to be an independent, quote-unquote, program. So might as well throw them this bone and and be nice to them and keep the the relationship between the conference and and that school positive uh, just for whenever the next uh, round of realignment decides to pop back up.
1: Which, who knows, based on Oklahoma's usual blustering... Could be any day. In that case, it
2: could be it could be any day, or it could be for not like another decade. Yeah, you you be never better. know, but it it does seem like there's something going on at uh, going on at Oklahoma. I don't think that like anything's imminent, but it does feel like you know there's a lot of noise coming out of that program right now, um, and it seems like at least someone is is kind of annoyed with the state of things.
1: I think it's all posturing. I think it's just seeing who's going to give them the best offer. And Oklahoma has Oklahoma has options that Nebraska didn't, that Colorado didn't. Uh, Missouri didn't once Nebraska joined uh, the Big Ten I think there's a couple other schools you could say that's about too like, as far as schools that are going to be looking at like bouncing to another conference like Oklahoma and Texas are probably the only ones with like full autonomy as far as where they could go and how they could get there um, so where there's smoke there's fire I don't think we've seen enough smoke yet but I feel like Oklahoma's probably fielding offers um, in a much more aggressive and much more tangible fashion than like Maryland was when when the smoke kind of started um, with them back in like 2011-12.
2: Yeah, uh, and they are one of those schools where like you could conceivably put them in any conference. The ACC is the only one that doesn't really make a lot of sense, but I think if Oklahoma decided that's where they wanted to go, the ACC would, would make it work. But they make a lot of sense for the SEC, Pac-12. More sense for the Pac-12 if they add like Oklahoma State too, uh, and Big Ten. I think it could work too since they already have the the rival with Nebraska and everything else. So um, they do seem like the logical next shoe to drop. Now the question is, you know, does it happen? I, I don't sense it happening anytime soon. But um, it seems like someone, you know, someone there uh, who has the the ear of some of the media folks in that area seems to be annoyed, or you know putting something out there, and that doesn't necessarily mean that there's anything, like, ha- happening at the top levels, but you never you never it with this stuff. Like, we've seen it play out in all different ways, between the ACC just going, you know, all through the night and, and adding Syracuse and Pitt out of nowhere, or the Missouri, like, basically playing, like, a dating game with the Big Ten and SEC. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think overall we are, we're probably looking at more of not under the cover of night, but I think we're going to see like, some more public overtures. Like Not now, but closer to like, 2020, 2021, when we get more near the, the end of the grant of rights. I mean, honestly, I think it's a question of if Texas, if Texas left with, with Oklahoma, then there is no Big 12 to collect on those grant of rights, and then the move can happen sooner. Because at that point, I think if those two schools left, I would assume oh, no. I would assume Texas, Tech or Oklahoma State goes with them. Um, I think TCU is able to find a soft landing spot potentially in the SEC depending on where Texas and Oklahoma go. Um, and then I think the Kansas schools I think Kansas schools could end up in the big 10 again, depending on where Texas and OU went. Um, Iowa State's screwed. Baylor's probably screwed at this point um, because their their impending downfall could not have been timed worse. Um, and then West Virginia either ends up in the SEC or the ACC just bites the bullet on the academic front because you're not going to pass up a school like that with that much uh, athletic success in history against programs that are already in your league.
2: Yeah, I think you brought the Longhorn Network. That's a really interesting one, considering all the ESPN stuff. Um, obviously, they have said uh, that the ACC Network is still a go, and they've you know, re-opted some other people, and, and the SEC Network is, is doing quite well. Uh, there was a study that basically showed it was making pulling in like four times this, the, the revenue that the Big Ten Network was, so obviously that's not an issue. I do wonder if Longhorn Network, and I don't know how much that's costing ESPN, because I don't know how big of that staff is or whatever. I know it's losing um, money. Well, it's definitely not making money, um, but I don't know how, if it's a big, a big enough loss for them to just say it's not worth it, or if that ends up being something where they can try to get out of that. Maybe uh, maybe they can follow the uh, Longhorn Network into the ACC Network. not the worst idea. W- wink, wink, wink. <laughs> Texas.
1: I, I mean, I would love... I would love to just, just bring a whole damn super conference. Let's just, just bring Texas, Texas, Oklahoma, and Te- Kansas.
2: And then Notre Dame, get, get, in, get in line.
1: Yeah, get in line. You're, you don't have anywhere else to go at this point. So,
2: Oh, God, that'd be, that'd be the most ridiculous. That'd be, that'd be so funny because of the Big Ten and SEC, like, you know, constant bickering over who the best conference is. If the ACC pulled off a move like that, and I, I don't expect it to ever happen, but it, it would be delicious.
1: Oh, yeah, I would enjoy the hell out of that. Like, <laughs> from a basketball perspective, it would be a blast if you added Kansas. I've talked about this on the site numerous times and just gotten yelled at because it seems like ridiculous posturing and nonsense. But at the same time, like, Kansas is, like, the weird – it's just like when years ago when they were talking about the ACC densely splitting up, like, everyone everyone was talking about the, the football schools. What they were really focusing in on was, like, who gets Duke? and And – you know Duke, I think, is a potential. Like they've done a really nice job with the Stanford East thing in, in football. Um, basketball is obviously a powerhouse. Um, they're very good in a lot of the non-revenue sports. Uh, there's the academic prowess that comes with Duke. Um, it, it has the ability to lift a lot of. I mean, if you're the SEC and you really only have you know a handful of programs that oh, a handful of schools that are really attached to quality academics. Um, looking at you know Vandy first and foremost, and then Florida and then everybody else kind of falls a little bit uh, further down the way. I think Mizzou is probably the next closest. Um, you know, it's, it'd be advantageous to bring it into school like Duke, and I, I think you're going to look at Kansas in, in a similar way here of, you know, Kansas has some solid academics, but more importantly, they have, I think, a, they have the potential in football, but more than that, they have the ability to grab eyeballs in other sports that, you know, you can't say the same about Oklahoma State. You can't say the same about K-State, Iowa State, Baylor, even TCU. Like KU is a, is, is probably one of the biggest fish behind Texas and Oklahoma in, in whatever the next round of this turns into. Uh,
2: yeah, I think it depends on what conference you're looking at because I don't think the SEC would care all that much about adding Kansas basketball. But for the ACC, where basketball is actually a driver, um, I think it makes a lot more sense.
1: Yeah, I, I you know, I, I don't think the... I think the market conversation is out at this point just because of, of, of how TV's changing. I think that... I think that adding quality football is probably better than just adding football. Um, that's not 100% fleshed out yet, but it's something that's going to come to fruition. But I think like just bringing in a quality total athletic program because then that increases the amount of watchable inventory... It is probably for the best. I do think that the SEC would be pretty well served. I mean, SEC Network, like, is kind of take it or leave it outside of football season. Like, you don't really need to tune in if you don't want to, um, and I don't for the most part. Um, but, yeah, if they added Kansas, now, you know, they can do something like ESPN2 did when it first showed up was, oh, okay, like, well, we're going to have Kentucky-Kansas on, on SEC Network tonight. We're going to have... You know Kansas and A and M on, on the SEC network like moves like that make the SEC network an even more advantageous play than it already was.
2: Yeah, that's a fair point, and, and the 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 market thing is is uh, interesting considering we we've seen what the the whole uh, industry seems to be heading towards, where it doesn't matter nearly as much that you have that SI eyeballs in Y market. Um, as you know, when this first round, it, and that's like seemed to be the main focus. Uh, Looking look at you, Rutgers.
1: <laughs> yeah, if it'll be funny if and when the Big Ten adds Oklahoma and or Texas, and then proceeds to have a league that stretches from Piscataway, New Jersey, to Austin, Texas, for no reason whatsoever, and that's much that's much less ridiculous. I mean. On paper and probably mileage-wise, it's much less ridiculous than what the ACC would do with Oklahoma and Texas. But at the same time, now you're now you're basically paying to watch Ohio State, Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Texas, and Oklahoma beat the piss out of Rutgers every year, every other year. It just you know Rutgers thought that they were in a better position than Syracuse based on how realignment shook out and like you could have argued after year one maybe that was true but given how the top of the big 10 has progressed given how Rutgers has not followed in kind their recruiting has not stayed at the level that it was at um, I mean maybe it rebounds but I, I'm not banking on it like at some point you have to be able to cash in that potential um, you see that on a, on a large scale across the country like with Carolina, how long did it take them to really start like cashing in on their potential as a program? Virginia never really has um, cashed in on their potential. Maryland only might be scratching the surface on what it can do, but we'll never really know. NC State, the Sleeping Giant label is used all the time. Um, you, the list could continue. There's just, when you're in the, the deeper the leagues get, the, the less noticeable progress is. So I, I think it's already hard enough for a school like Rutgers. Um, and Purdue and Indiana to like progress themselves in the Big Ten now, um, you know, similar to our situation in the Atlantic. Um, adding schools like Oklahoma or Texas potentially uh, would make that job virtually impossible.
2: Which is why they should both join the ACC Coastal. Yeah, it, they are they are very coastal schools. They, I mean, they're they're not very Atlantic. <laughs> so. Those names, which we know, make a lot of sense considering Syracuse is in either of them. Um, yeah, now it's uh, it, it definitely. I, I'm super interested to see where we go next, considering it seems like the game has changed quite a bit vers- with regards to how these decisions are made. Like we, you could kind of see the alchemy with the last round, um, whether or not you would read with it. But the the landscape is changing so much every year. Um, I do wonder, like, what they're looking at, or if conferences are even like looking at the same things now. Like, I wonder if, like, some conferences are kind of ahead of the game while others are still kind of working on, like, 2011 decision-making. So, um, again, I don't expect this to be, like, in, like anytime super soon, though. Uh, I think that the Big 12 uh, Grant of Rights, uh, not Grant of Rights, the uh, what's inspiring in a couple of years?
1: The Grant of Rights.
2: Grant of Rights, okay. Um, that could be a, an interesting marker to look at.
1: Yeah, I think that's what everybody's kind of focused on now and... Like I said, obviously, if someone wants to make a big, big play, then you could just destroy the Big 12, and you don't have to worry about the grant of rights. Um, I think that we ended up in the best place for us. I think that we are eventually headed to a four-conference setup. I just don't know if it's going to look like the four conferences we thought. Um, I hope we're not part of that collateral damage. I don't think we will be, um, just because of how sturdy the uh, ACC looks right now. But, hey, you never know. College sports is weird. I still think we're headed toward um, some sort of separation with the Power Five conferences in Notre Dame um, eventually, kind of being off on their own raft. And you know, you don't want to dilute the the Power Conference brands individually, but at the same time, would probably be advantageous for everybody to stop with all the realignment shit and just kind of sort everybody out geographically and have a playoff at the end of it.
2: Yeah, I mean that just makes the most sense, and it's talked about so much. It does seem like that's probably where, where, where we'll end up. Uh, it might just take dragging a couple people, taking and streaming to get there, which is generally how Charles Triple advances.
1: That's that's college sports in general. A lot of a lot of old white guys who just have no no desire to change, eventually being forced to do so at gunpoint. Uh, money point, yes, so more or less. M- money guns, which I'm sure all of them have in their offices.
2: <laughs> the SEC definitely has money guns, so and you were bad. going to be allowed to take them into Arkansas games until they thought better of it.
1: Yeah, you see, in the, up north we only use the money guns that shoot paper money, but down south they have the ones that shoot coins. So those gonna be a little more painful. <laughs> it's
2: a lot. <laughs> it
1: is a lot. Uh, that's a good place to stop for halftime. Uh, Dan, what have you been drinking of late?
2: Well, I am down south again this week. Uh, I am currently, as we speak, drinking a Westbrook uh, Two Claw Rye IPA, which is quite good. Um, Yeah, uh, we were at the the store before, and we're like, let's find the West Claw we haven't had. So we had uh, picked up the Two Claw. Also before, I drank the One Claw, which is just a rye pale ale. I actually like the Two Claw a little more. Um, Last night, I had the uh, ESB from Green Man Brewery, which I believe is up in Asheville. Um, Really good. uh, English, uh, super bitter. Um. Really enjoyed it. Uh, then I also had. Uh, what else did I have last night? Oh, I had a regular Westbrook IPA, which I've had before, so nothing too crazy there. I had, uh, some Brunette's, Revenge. I had Brunette's Revenge from Wolf Hollow, uh, which my friend brought down, who works there now, uh, which was quite interesting. Um, it's it's I guess Tazvad is a blonde, but it's it's definitely like darker and maltier. Um, I enjoyed that. Uh, And then had some Single Cut, had some All Day, uh, some Rare Voss from Omegang, some Preseason Lager from Deuce Island, uh, and I think that's everything since uh, last time we spoke. Yeah, big week. Yes, we'll have a lot more uh, North Carolina and uh, South Carolina, I pretty much stick to Westbrook. Uh, There are some other decent local breweries around here, but uh, I'll be up in North Carolina next week for a wedding and a graduation, so I think there'll be a lot of uh, foothills and other fun stuff like that.
1: Very nice. Uh, for me, um, I had some Monkish and Other Half Collaboration Nomelhead Head. It was a uh, lemon sour. It was really good. Um, I mentioned this one way back in the beginning of the year, but uh, Vindictive from the brewery. It was a uh, red wine barrel-aged um, Black Tuesday. Uh, also was at the, as I mentioned last week, the brewery ninth anniversary party, so it had a bunch of really great stuff. Uh, brewery Toreau had their Blend 2 Batch 1 Sour. had the Joyful Tuesday from the brewery. It was a... Uh, Almond Coconut uh, Black Tuesday, which is excellent. Um, they had, they got rid of their Humulus lager as a regular tap option at the tasting room, but they did bring some Humulus Coconut um, IPL uh, to the anniversary party, which is great. What else did I have? Uh, Highland Park's New Heights Saison was very good. Also had uh, Avery Tequila Service, their uh, tequila barrel aged uh, beer that they brought with them. Had a couple things from Rare Barrel. Um, it's up in NorCal. Had uh, There Are Rules and Supermassive. Um, two of their sours. Um, the brewery had a uh, Grandma Knots Tuesday. It was a Black Tuesday with, I think it was Raspberry and Boysenberry, perhaps? And that was excellent. Um, what else? Oh, had, uh, from Ale Smith, had Nibs and Beans, uh, Speedway Stout. Just a vanilla and Coffee uh, version of their Speedway Stout. Um uh, Brewery also had a couple other great uh, one-offs. They had Sangfroid, uh, was a Sour Ale, had Ride That Banana Split, was a uh, Chuffin' a Banana Weizenbach. Uh, that was really interesting. Like that one a lot. Uh, Casa Agria had their uh, Fruta Mixta Sour, also had their Parables of Red. Uh, brewery Tarot had their frucked Mango. And I don't really have to do anymore. But, yeah, that was it. was a long list of beers, Um, definitely, definitely drank everything I needed to drink, uh, for the, the four hours I was in the door over there. Pretty good work. I would say so. I was, uh, I did that thing afterward where I was like, you know what, like, I'm a little drowsy. Let me, let me get some tea, wake myself up. Then like all that was doing was just shielding how tired I was. Cause then like when it wore off at like 9.30 at night. I just like hit an absolute wall, and like I'd been drinking. Then, like after the tea, it's kind of like my one buddy. He, uh, we were in Vegas once, and he was drinking vodka Red Bulls all night. Oof! And then, like at at like midnight, he just hit the wall. You just saw all the Red Bull like wore off at once. <laughs>
2: Good old crash.
1: <laughs> yeah, so we uh, we still refer to it as the Red Bull Wall, where we were in, in an air conditioned club, and he was sitting there sweating bullets, <laughs> like just drowning in vodka, pretty much what uh, of my one of my favorite moments with him or any other friend really just uh just watching him suffer uh that's that's the kind of friend i am so um, that is
2: that is a per- there there are perils with drinking like multiple Vodka Red Bull i think one or two that you know if you need that boost but uh if if you that can't be your like your drink for the night are he at eight <laughs> that's way too many <laughs> That is far too many. <laughs> yeah,
1: he had eight, and, and definitely was just swimming in a pool of vodka once that Red Bull wore off. It was a, <laughs> it was a sight to behold. Uh, I definitely, again, definitely enjoyed it. Shout out to you, Mike. I'm sure you, uh, I'm sure you're not listening. Don't really care. Oh god. Anyway, um, so uh, graduations this weekend. That's uh, that's kind of cool.
2: Yeah, shout-out to the class of 2017.
1: Yeah, way to go, guys. Um, congrats to Ari, uh, specifically. You know, he's uh, he's our, our soon-to-be former football staff writer, but nonetheless a, uh, a welcome face at all times around the tradition. Uh Tons of other people that have been in the comments or read the site, I'm sure, graduate, so congrats to all of you. Um, I know myself and Andy and James actually put together a little kind of, like, advice column today, so listen to that or don't um remember i added the caveat that i do write online so take everything with a grain
2: of salt because
1: <laughs> there's simply no way that every single decision i made is the one for you
2: yeah i'd say uh, unless you also want to write online
1: <laughs> yeah, unless which is online. <laughs> do that
2: which which the advice we can give you is is just start writing i guess yeah and
1: all the time every day
2: yes um no, it's, uh, I mean, I, I, remember fondly those days in 2012, uh, walk, uh, m- more, I guess the actual graduation was fun, but then more the march down to, uh, Fagan's and Chuck's for the final time that night and, uh, having way too many Long Island Ice teas at Fagan's. <laughs> which, speaking of having way too many of one drink, uh, yeah, Fagan's Long Island iced teas, which were $3. When you had, like, a couple graduation chats in your, in your wallet, you're like, yep, this is happening.
1: I always did Magic Hat for Senior Sunday. Um well, I see, that would do, smarter. They always got too sugary for, <laughs> like, I don't do really do a ton of sugar, so, like, magi- uh, the uh, Lion I see always got too sugary for me, but I used to do Magic Hat. Um, one time the bartenders at Magic Hat, I oh, no, at uh, Fagans, gave my buddy free Magic Hats because he was just downing them like they were water. Like, pretty, and like, not so, showing any signs of, of being like inebriated in any way, shape, or form. Like, at the time, my buddy was just like that kind of a drinker and I, that even the bartenders were impressed. And I was, uh, that was another entertaining evening. I, uh, one, one that I talk about frequently with, with with both that friend and many others.
2: Uh, I, see, that's, isn't that what, what bartenders are supposed to not do?
1: You would, you would think, but when you're giving them away pretty much for $2 anyway.
2: Yeah, it might as well just be free.
1: Yeah, and when when he's not showing any signs of actually being drunk, despite downing 14 of them.
2: Oh, God. I remember those days.
1: Uh, good times. That's,
2: that, that's, I think that's a good life lesson for the, the soon-to-be graduates. By the time you're, like, 26, you don't think that you're going to be totally washed, but you will not be able to drink nearly as much as you used to. No. <laughs> like, it, it's incredible.
1: 26 might even be, like, too late. I mean, I'd say, like, by, like, 24, I was like, I'm done.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that's about right. Like, you could still you could still dial it up. Like, you're like one of those, like, you're like a starting pitcher who has, like, a 4.2 ERA, and, like, he's not nearly as, good as he's used to, but, like, once in a while, hold will go out and throw a gem. Like, that's kind of at 24, 25, 26. Like, if we really need to get out there and, like, put some innings in, we can do it, but you're going to have to ice your arm for, like, three days afterwards.
1: Oh, yeah, that, that that's how I treat whenever <laughs> I visit New York.
2: <laughs> basically
1: <laughs> it's like i i i tell myself like dude you're gonna pitch four game sevens and then, and then your career is <laughs> over <laughs> let's just let's just make this happen um,
2: just ride out into the sunset <laughs> oh
1: man we've talked about drinking quite a bit on this podcast today
2: eh? uh, yes this is we, we have definitely gone more drinking than syracuse so far
1: that's fine. Um, back
2: to Drinking Syracuse. and then realignment that isn't happening yet. And then <laughs> Syracuse, I guess we hit in the beginning a little bit.
1: Yeah, we did. Um, and then we were talking about drinking at Syracuse. So that's still cool. Um, that counts. Yeah, that counts. Um, Dan, I don't know if you saw the CBS Sports list this week. The one that was ranking college football coaches. And Dino Babers was 51st out of P5 coaches. Um,
2: it's off-sync content. But like 51st seems a little low no? It does. Um, it seems a little low, but I think after, you know, someone goes... I mean, granted, it's totally contest free because uh, as someone who's, you know, tried to list things of all 130-ish college football teams, like, you're never going to have all the information on everyone. No. So I, I get where you have Dino uh, at 51st after a 4-8 and eight year. Like, it, I, I understand it conceptually, even if I disagree, um, but also, I think those who are getting mad online about it just need to remember, it, it doesn't mean anything. It's fine. Like... It doesn't mean that Dino is being disparaged and and that his work isn't being appreciated. Um, we, in, in the Syracuse world, all appreciate him and know that he is doing a good job. So it, it really isn't that big a deal.
1: Yeah, I saw a lot of people getting like mad online directly at Tom oh. Fornelli. I was like, you guys need to, you guys need to relax because this is. The only thing I took issue with was just the fact that like, if four and eight your measure, fine. But if like scoring two less points per game is your measure, like that's not. That's just lazy
2: yeah I think mean that's that's fair like it's it's you could like gnash teeth over it I think if he goes like seven and five this year he'll probably jump way up and you know maybe there'll be some like course correction and then people will be maybe putting him too high so it, it's I don't know I, I try not to, to get too worked up over those things unless it's the Orlando Sentinel in which case they always make it seem like they've never watched a, a game as far as ever so well I'll get worked up about the Orlando Sentinel when that rolls around but until then I'm, I feel pretty good about our, our nationalist uh,
1: outrage here. If the Orlando Sentinel hasn't rolled around yet, I feel like that might be a good thing. I don't know if they started it yet. but uh,
2: I have no idea. I only ever find out when Syracuse rolls around. It's like, oh, 97. Cool.
1: <laughs> I, guess, I guess Greg Robinson is still the coach. Got us.
2: And with that one year where they listed like, the entire depth chart wrong, which was fun.
1: Oh, yeah. That was, uh, that was highly entertaining. Um, so, I don't know, Dan. What else do we have?
2: Uh, lacrosse is is going to the NCAA tournament and playing uh, Yale Yale. Playing Yale
1: Yale. is actually kind of fun to watch they've been kind of fun to watch for a few years um, yeah they were
2: they had that really good team I think like maybe three or four years ago
1: yeah it was three or four years ago I I think in general like Ivy League lacrosse has just become a hell of a lot more fun in recent years. I mean, it, it always has, like, had its uppercross things, but I feel like from a top-to-bottom standpoint, I've enjoyed casually tuning into an uh, a Ivy League lacrosse game more than I have in the past.
2: I think we what we learned is that you just have to sacrifice Princeton, and once Princeton's no longer good, everyone else can be, like, pretty good.
1: You know, I feel like that's a good way to look at SEC football as well is if if Bama could just suck again, then SEC football would be interesting to watch.
2: Bama died so the rest of the SEC could live. Bama's Jesus. Dan said it, not me. (laughs) I I did. I made that direct comparison.
1: And I don't know. I, I, I feel like we need to talk about more, but at the same time, I don't know what else there is to talk about, Dan.
2: Yeah, it's kind of a slow week. I mean, we'll have once the the Syracuse uh, Yale game is is oh, it has to be after graduation. That's how it always is. So that's Sunday. Um,
1: softball teams and then
2: today. softball team plays. Uh, I Tonight. assume women's lacrosse is still alive. Yeah,
1: women's lacrosse is a bye in the first round. And then they have to play potentially Boston College, which is not good.
2: No, didn't we uh. Haven't they given us some issues this year? I have not been we, on top of the women's lacrosse.
1: We beat them by 10, but they also didn't have their best player.
2: Mm. And also, you just don't want to face the conference team. No. We, we've, in any sport. We, we, we've seen this it's a before. universal rule. Yes. Hi, hi, Marquette. Oh, God. The dumbest. Just really, that, that still makes me mad. I won't get mad online about lists that roll out in the summer, but I will get mad online about basketball draws in the NCAA tournament from six years ago. I'm, I'm in on getting mad about that.
1: Oh yeah, that's fine. You can we can rage about that because again, it was it was completely unnecessary and and it was the problem was it was completely necessary and then it was used as a talking point for people that were hating on the Big East at the time. What, meanwhile, the committee matched up three different sets of teams to face each other in the second round.
2: Yeah, still just mind numbing, but. I guess that, that those are the perils of getting 11 teams in the tournament, even though it still really didn't need to happen. <laughs>
1: okay. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I think with all that in mind, um, we'll probably do a, a shorter episode today. I think we'll have plenty more to talk about next week with uh, hopefully some successful lacrosse teams. Maybe softball pulls off a miracle this weekend. I know there's uh, the ACC Outdoor Track Championships here this weekend.
2: Oh, shout out to Justin Knight for breaking a world record, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's crazy. Was,
1: uh... Justin Knight has become one of the probably.
2: He's actually one of the greatest Syracuse athletes ever. Like
1: he's definitely up there, and and, and I think like he like quietly kind of rolled up there because like people just weren't didn't have track on their radar as much as they should have.
2: It's it's I mean that that's just nuts and. I also feel like if you're, like, a track person and you were for another team, like, Justin Knight has to feel like the fifth-year senior that, like, has never gone away, because I feel like he's just been killing people uh, for, like, three or four years now. Like, he's just been one of the best runners in the country. Just, you know, it takes a lot for a, for a college track star to get, like, headlines, and he's been doing it for, for a couple of years, so so awesome for him. The incredible achievement, and I'm glad we didn't forget to bring that up uh, during this short podcast.
1: Agreed, agreed. Kevin will be most pleased. We, uh, we got our track shout-out in the... Uh, we should do more, admittedly, but uh, maybe he comes on the podcast. We can chat some... as some hot track takes.
2: Yeah, we'll have to see when, when that season ends. Probably soon. I imagine it is probably soon. Yeah.
1: Anyway. Um, so that was Dan. I'm John. Uh, Dan, thank you, as always, for, uh, for chiming in here
2: yes glad uh, everyone to listen to us talking about drinking for about 25 of the 45 minutes
1: that's fine yeah
2: there have been worse topics
1: so there, there have been worse topics we've talked about the uh the sunbelt for an entire podcast before and, and we will again and we, we will again <laughs> I, I was thinking about that schedule the other day that's coming don't don't y'all fret we're uh, we're coming at you um okay so again, that was Dan, I'm John. Thank you everyone for listening to Trainions and Absolute Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, on Blog Talk, on wherever else you listen to us and go Orange.
2: Go Orange.
0: At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.